Do you want some good news? Are you sure? Definitely. It might be a little unexpected, not what you want to hear, but okay. Here it goes. It was not a silent night. It was a holy night, but it was not a silent night. And as much as you and I love that Christmas carol, we loved hearing the children sing it this morning. And no matter how many lists at top as number one and number two for favorite Christmas carol, we should be so thankful that it was not a silent night. No, God was not silent. God spoke powerfully, beautifully, clearly, and lovingly on the night that Christ was born. On that night, as the Apostle John tells us, the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. As we read in Hebrews chapter 1, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Because God speaks to us, you and I can be sure of his love for us. That makes this book the evidence of the love of the Father for you and for me. John Bunyan of Pilgrim's Progress fame writes this, God's word is not a lifeless document, but a living voice that speaks to us today. So with that in mind, I invite you to take your Bibles, if you have them now. If not, there should be one in the pew in front of you. And if you would turn with me in the Old Testament to the book of Isaiah, the 40th chapter. Isaiah chapter 40, when you found your place in the Word of God, I'm going to ask you to stand so that we might hear read together the Word of the living God. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 1, this is the word of the Lord. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry, and I say, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers. The flower fades, but the word of our God 
will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. For behold, the Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you that's alive and active among us this morning. Spirit of God, teach us, change us, renew us, make us more holy as we spend time together in your word now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we look at these famous Christmas verses that prophesy the coming of Christ, we can be assured of God's love for us because he speaks to us. But in order for us to understand the, the magnitude of the expression of love that a speaking God is, I think first we need to imagine its opposite. What if God did not speak? What if God were silent? What if after God so powerfully and stunningly spoke the world into being by saying, let there be? What if after he spoke this commandment to Adam and Eve, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. What if after Adam and Eve actually disobeyed God and did eat of the one and only tree that God had made off limits to them, what if God never spoke again? What if there had been celestial silence? Such silence would have been rightly deserved. But can you imagine a silent God? If you can imagine it, the silence is, at least for me, the most dramatic and vivid image of absolute lostness that I can even imagine. Silence would have brought upon Adam and Eve complete and utter darkness and blindness and groping. Even while they stood in the full blaze of the sun that God had created. What now? Now that everything is broken, what do we do? Where do we go? Which way is the right way? What if God had just exited the garden without ever speaking another word to them? What would life have been like for Adam and Eve with a silent God? How would they know what God thought of them? What he would do to them, when he would do it? How would they know what they were supposed to do? 
How should they live now? What now is their purpose? Can you even imagine the hopelessness and the helplessness of a life with a silent God? Without the voice of God speaking to them, they could have no hope of ever knowing or finding out the answers to any of those questions. Can you feel the darkness of it? Probably not. Because God has never allowed that to be a reality for human beings. The good news for Adam and Eve, the good news for you and me, is that God is not silent. He continues his conversation, his communication, his speech, even though he now speaks with sin-ruined beings. That, it's the love of God. It's the grace of God. It's the mercy of God. It's the compassion of God. And the first words, the first words that God speaks to Adam and Eve after they sin are these. Where are you? Now listen. The omniscient God knows everything. He's not seeking information. He's not in the dark about anything ever. This is not some holy game of hide and seek. Come out, come out, wherever you are. No. God knows where Adam and Eve are. He asks the question so that Adam and Eve are required to articulate where they are. They are required to describe back to God with their own words, their own devastating new reality. Where am I? Afraid, Adam says. Naked, Adam says. Ashamed. Hiding, Adam says that's the new reality for sinful people afraid naked exposed ashamed hiding now that they understand the bleakness of their situation they realize what they need most the word of God to bring them hope And God doesn't fail them in their need. God never fails. He loves those who he created. He will not abandon them. He will not be silent. And so God meets their sin with his hope, his words of hope. Genesis 3.15, you heard it this morning. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel as we've seen over and over. This verse is the first promise of the gospel. God would not abandon them. God would send one who would crush the one through whom temptation and sin and devastation and chaos and confusion and all that accompanied sin entered into the world. The new reality that Adam had just described to God, listen to this, it's not the ultimate reality. It will not always be this way. There's a dear old pastor I knew 
that used to say to his congregation that he loved so dearly and shepherded so faithfully. Especially when they were suffering or sorrowful or sad, he would say this, better days are coming. Better days are coming. Guess what? Better days are coming. Why? Because God said so. He spoke hope. He is not silent in the verses before us this morning. We see the utter emphasis that God places on his spoken word. His voice is the source of hope for all people. From heaven, from heaven, God speaks his eternal truth. Not all of it. We couldn't bear it all. But here comes God's word through a channel. Whatever that channel may look like into our time, into our space, and it finds its resting place in the ear and in the minds and the hearts of those that God had enabled and inspired by His Spirit to receive that word and then to pass it on to His people. How great is God's love for us. How great is the hope He has for us. And so we must treasure God's word as an expression of His love for us. Look With me, if you will, at these verses that we've read this morning. Verse 1, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Verse 2, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her. Verse 3, a voice cries. Verse 5, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Verse 6, a voice says Cry, what shall I cry? Verse 8, the word of our God will stand forever. Verse 9, lift up your voice with strength, herald of good news. Say to the cities of Judah, you can't miss it. Say, speak, cry, mouth, voice, word, herald. We must not miss that in this passage that prophesies the coming of Christ, the Messiah, the word of God into the world. The emphasis is unmistakable. Our God is not silent. Is that good news? He demonstrates his love for us by speaking to us. He doesn't want that you should be hopeless in this world. He doesn't want that you should be helpless in this world. Neither does he want those things for me. And here's why. The way that you and I would imagine for ourselves, by ourselves, the way that would seem right to us, the way that would seem best to us without God speaking to us would ultimately lead to death with lots of suffering and sadness and chaos and confusion in between. And you know what? We need only look at our own lives, look into our own homes, our own families, our own relationships, when we have allowed Christ and His Word to fall from their place of preeminence. When that happens, we know what happens. There's unhappiness and confusion and anger and frustration and dysfunction. God has so much better for us than that. Therefore, he is not silent. 
He speaks to us so that we might have life and live. Listen, implicit in a God who speaks is a God who intends to save, to rescue us from our misery. If he did not have that intention to save and rescue, he would have remained silent. Implicit in a God who is not silent is a God who is imminent. A God who draws near. A God who pierces our world. And whatever separates us from the heaven of God that's so full of light and glory and love and perfection, God pierces that which separates us from Him with His Word so that you and I might be connected to Him. God is distinct from us from what he has created, but he has not silently separated himself from what he created. And that's what Christmas, Advent, Incarnation is all about. In that moment in time, the time that God deemed right, the time that God seemed best, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary that girl blessed by God and graced by God and the power of the Most High overshadowed her and in that instant holiness the holiness of heaven the holiness of God entered into our world through the womb of Mary and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Praise God that he is not silent. The world was ready according to God's estimation for the words with which God had penetrated our world. The words that explained our world, made sense of our world, gave hope to our world. It was time for those words to take on visible form In the person of Jesus Christ. It was time according to the loving kindness of God. That we not only hear the word. But that we see the word. Touch the word. Taste the word. And see that the Lord is good. Won't you love the word of God. And the God who spoke it. Because he loves you. I can't think of a better Christmas gift. To give to you. The than to commend the word of God to you as an expression of his love for you. This word that that God breathed, this word, this word, the only word, this one, in all the world that's completely true. The word that tells us of a need of a Savior, and it tells us who he is, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to seek and to save the lost. Listen, through 30 years of preaching, 30 years of preaching, can you imagine? I can't. It's always at this point when I'm talking about the Word of God that I feel compelled. Well, now I must defend the Word of God. I must prove that it's true, and I must go through all the arguments for why this Word is God's Word. After all, John Calvin wrote, The pastor ought to have two voices, 
One for gathering the sheep, the other for driving away the wolves. And believe me, the wolves do circle around the Word of God, looking for a place to attack, to strike, perhaps doubt. That was Satan's first attack, was it not? Did God really say? He just set the stage for what was coming after, what will always be in our day, the higher critics who seek to rip apart, tear apart the Word of God, leave it lying there, lifeless, impotent, pathetically uninspired heap on the ground. That's what they will make of the inspired Word of God. But I got to tell you, the Lord impressed this so clearly on me, and I got to say, I am so thankful that he did. He impressed on me, Craig, you don't have to defend my word. You just have to proclaim my word. My spirit will do the rest. And I know that's true. I've seen it in my own life, seen it in 30 years of ministry when the spirit of God meets the word of God. There's power. Unpreventable. Unstoppable power. Power that crushes human doubts, crushes your doubts. Power to crush human arrogance that seeks to assert itself and its intelligence over God and demand that God himself make an answer to us that satisfies us. No, God is not silent. His word is powerful when it's joined by his spirit. And so I leave you this morning with this. Read the Word of God. Don't just read about the Word of God. Read the Word itself. It contains life and hope and grace and forgiveness and renewal and recreation and restoration. All those things that we long for. God speaks those words to us in this living Word. Because it points us. To the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, there is none like him. None like the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the greatest and fullest expression of the love of God. A God who would not be silent. And through faith in Christ, the living word, God the Father will receive all who believe into his loving arms. If you've never turned in faith to Christ, you can even in this moment believe his love for you and experience that loving embrace of a loving father. If you already know that embrace, keep treasuring God's word in your heart. Here as Mary did, all the words spoken about Christ, she treasured. We've got to do the same. To listen and listen and listen to our God who is not silent. Let nothing keep you from the word. Read it, study it, ponder it because you can. Not because you have to, but because you get to. Because it brings you out of darkness. Out of confusion. Out of chaos. Out of questioning and wondering. And it speaks truth to you. And it brings you to the one who is the truth the way, 
and the life. I'll leave you with this quote from Martin Luther. I have covenanted with my Lord that he should not send me visions or dreams or even angels. I am content with this gift of the scriptures which teaches and supplies all that is necessary both for this life and the life that is to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to treasure your word, to see it for what it is, a testimony of your love for us. We thank you that you have not remained silent, but you have spoken and spoken to us most clearly in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Give us ears, Lord, to continue to listen, to seek to long to hear you as you speak to us through your word and Lord Jesus through you, our Savior who loves us so much that you died in our place for our sin. Help us love your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.